Well, good morning, Greg. Good morning, Cody. How are you? Well, it is Monday morning, and this is actually the first time that we are kind of sitting down. It's been a crazy 24 hours. That it has, and it's going to be a crazy week. Uh, but as we told everyone last week, we are doing a new podcast, the Monday Recap. Right. Every Monday, we're going to be talking about your sermon yep. and just kind of how church was uh, this past Sunday. Yep. So, uh, tell us, what was the topic? Well, we started our Quotes of Christmas series yesterday, and we started with week one, Do Not Be Afraid, and the message was really all about what do we do with fear, what do we do with anxiety, what do we do with worry, and does God's Word have truth for us? Um, it really wasn't necessarily a Christmas sermon, but uh, what I found interesting was four different individuals or groups in the Christmas narratives received this command, this imperative. Zechariah, father of John the Baptist, Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds, before they received their instructions, um, they were told, do not be afraid. And that's a great message um, that I need to hear. And, and I would just say what was funny, we were talking earlier this morning, um, my morning yesterday started off about as chaotic as a morning can start. I was being pulled one direction or another for literally an hour leading right up to service and I mm. sit down and I've got to preach a sermon on don't worry, yeah. don't be anxious. Yeah. And sometimes I wonder if God is teaching me, you know, via an object lesson and I'm too dense to even realize it's happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's something where if we, we need to be careful that we don't lose sight of the big picture, which is so easy to do in our day-to-day -day, um, responsibilities and things. But at the end of the day, people came to church. Yeah. They worshiped the Lord. The well, Word of God was preached. It was a great day. Um, you know, I, I loved the, the sermon in that it really was focused on multiple words of encouragement from Scripture what, what do we do with worry? What do we do with fear? What do we do with anxiety? I think it, it had some definite uh, theological teeth to it. Well, and here's the thing. Your first point was give your fear and worries to the Lord. And when you said that, uh, my first thing was, number one, um, I expect to hear that when I come to church yeah. talking about this topic. Yeah. What does that look like in practical terms for those yeah. who heard your message in their day-to-day -day life? What yeah. does it look like when someone gives their worries to the Lord? Well, one of the scriptures that I reference is from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 6, that says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We had a member that came up for prayer two weeks ago, and sweet lady, plugged in, volunteered, and she said, I'm getting ready to fly, and I hate flying. I have an incredible fear of flying. And she said, will you pray for me? Because I'm going to be on a plane, and I'm going to travel you know, to this trip, and then I'm going to be flying home, and I'm already getting anxious over it. And I think, Cody, it's basically saying, God, you're in control of this. God, you know the big picture, and I'm not going to let anxiety get the best of me. I'm not going to let fear get the best of me. I'm going to give it to you and let you do the heavy lifting. You as a, as a parent, yeah. um, can you recall a time that you felt anxiety as a parent, and oh. you had to give that to the Lord. Can you explain Well, on this that? is personal, but um, our daughter Jordan, who's an awesome uh, young woman, when she was 16, she was diagnosed with something called Derrier's disease, a skin disease, and then shortly thereafter, um, a pretty significant case of arthritis. 
And I got to be honest, I was anxious. I'm thinking, why is my beautiful 16-year-old daughter having to deal with this junk? And I finally had to get to a point to where I had to say, God, it's bigger than me. It's bigger than Jordan. Um, I want you to heal her. I don't want her to have to deal with this. I don't want her to have to have a skin disease moving forward. I don't want her to have arthritis moving forward. And I can't tell you an exact moment in time, but I think what helped me as a parent was how my 16-year-old handled it. She had a piece that I didn't have at a time. And uh, I, I think a lot of times being in community with others, you're able to, to see that, um, you know, there is something bigger than yourself at play here. And to really live out the, the truth of Philippians 4, um, don't be anxious, but give it to God. Give everything to God by prayer and petition. Now, you uh, mentioned 2 Corinthians twelve nine, and here's what the verses say. They say it says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Yeah. Here's my yeah. question for you. Yep. When was a time you were in your weakest moment and you saw God at work? Um, my, my time at Lincoln Christian College and Seminary, I loved, but toward the end of that time, I found myself in a situation where uh, no longer working for Lynn Laughlin, no longer working for Dr. Mark Searby. And it just really seemed like um, my world was crumbling at that point. The dreams that I had were not unfolding like I was hoping that they would. And uh, back in those days, I was running. It's before I, I learned I wasn't able to run. And I had one of those little iPod, I think they were Nanos. Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, the, the Chris Tomlin song, Your Grace is Enough, came on. And it was almost like it was God speaking to me. And I got this. Do your thing. Be faithful to me. Love me. Serve me. And, and I've got this. And you know, my time at Lincoln came to an end. And that was a sad time for me. I loved working at Lincoln. But the door here at Clinton opened up um, like the day after that encounter. Wow, I, got a call, I got a call from Bob Phillips, who was on staff here, love basically Bob. saying... Hey, what would you think about um, potentially being the next preacher at Clinton? So I, I think understanding that our momentary troubles are just that, they're momentary. And if we're faithful to the Lord, um, number one, we know how the story's going to end in terms of eternity. But even on this earth, um, I look back to some of the things that I've lost sleep over in my lifetime, and I chuckle, Cody, because if I would have just relaxed and trusted God and stayed faithful to Him and not given in to anxiety and worry and fear, my life would have been a lot more enjoyable during those seasons. Now, your second point in your sermon was claim God's promises as your very own because they are. Yeah. Which my first thought is that's where the Sunday school answer of read God's word is super important. It is. That God's truths are written on your heart. But you mentioned, uh, kind of in a bullet point here, 1 John 1, 9, and your main idea that you want people to understand here was God will forgive. Yeah. And forgiveness, I think that is such a tough, even for long-time church people, right. God's forgiveness is so foreign to us because we live in a world that says, you know, if you do something wrong, you deserve punishment and... You know, forgiveness may not even be on the table yeah. um, because you get what you deserved. Yeah. yeah. So the question that I have uh, in, re in regards to this is, can someone experience forgiveness from God 
even if they can't forgive others? Well, you know, according to 1 John 1, 9, the answer is if you confess your sins and you're a follower of Jesus, this is in the context of being a Christ follower, God is faithful, God is just, he's going to forgive our sins. Now, here's what complicates that. Sermon on the Mountain. Middle two verses of the Sermon on the Mountain. Jesus addresses this very issue. And he says, if you forgive others when they sin against you, your Father in Heaven will forgive you. If you refuse to forgive, if you say, you know what, I've been hurt too bad, I'll never forgive him. I'll never forgive her. Jesus said, trouble's coming your way. God's not going to forgive you. How does someone know that they've forgiven someone else? How do you know? Is there a feeling that you experience? Is there a, a thought? I, I think the problem is we think it's going to be a feeling. And it's got to be a cognitive um, movement of not just the heart, but also the mind that I know what she did. I know what he did. I know that it was wrong, but I absolutely choose to forgive. I will not allow that person to live in my mind. I will not allow that person to live in my heart. Um, if you're really passionate about this issue, um, I would encourage you to read from the writings of Corey Ten Boom, the Holocaust survivor. She she wrote at length about forgiveness and how hard it was for her. I mean, she saw her sister die in a concentration camp. She saw the evil of the Nazi regime up close and personal, but she got to the point to where she said, you have to forgive. You know my favorite Ten Boom quote? Forgiveness is setting a prisoner free and realizing that prisoner is you. It's powerful. I think I've re I think you've said that before. I, I've shared it many times, but one of my favorite quotes. I, I know not, I have a lot I of favorites. I am not but, good at yeah. remembering quotes like yeah. that. Forgiveness is setting a prisoner free and realizing mm -hmm. the prisoner is you. That's, you know, I, I was just curious to know how you would answer that question because for me, it's, you know, the whole like, how do you know you've forgiven someone? We, that's one of those answers that we like to be black and white. Yeah. Um, where the, the line is drawn in the sand, and this is when you for sure know. Yeah. And, and that's tough. Uh, for me, I guess it's always got I, – I got to the point where when I am at a point where I don't wish bad things upon the other person, that I am really looking out for what's in their best interest. Right. When the end of the day comes yeah. – um, yeah, I guess I, I would know. also preface this. I, I would never want to come off like a know-it-all in this arena because here's the reality. I really have not been wronged in life very often. You know, I have had an incredibly supportive spouse. Um, she makes me better every day. Um, we've not went through terrible times with prodigal children, um, loving mom and dad. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, I don't want it to come off, as you said earlier, like just a flippant Sunday school answer because I know some people have experienced real pain and real sorrow at the hands of people that they thought loved them and, and you know, by their actions um, seem to state otherwise. But, but I think the key in this, in terms of forgiving others, is that Jesus says, if you're a follower of mine, just do it. Let it go, let go, and you will be better because of it. Now, to help us enter into or kind of stay with the Christmas story. Yeah, yeah. Your third point was lean on the Lord more than ever before. Mm -hmm, and in mm -hmm. the Christmas context, yeah. you've got a guy who is surprised with this announcement yep. from Mary that, hey, she's pregnant. Yeah. Oh, but it's not by you. Right. Um, they're not married yet. Um both have to lean on the Lord. Yes. 
um, but they're kind of on different yeah. sides of uh, the fence here, yeah. and kind of not knowing what the other what the truth is. Where's yeah. the truth at in this yeah. ugly, dark situation? Yeah. So if we can think of uh, the listeners out there, you know, similar life situations where you are in those dark moments it's yeah. hard to hear the truth or even know what the truth is yeah and my pastor yesterday tells me lean on the more yeah. lean sorry lean on the lord more than ever before right so here's my question uh-huh. what does that look like in practice for those who need to do this yeah well, and I, I think you go back to Joseph. Joseph's a great example. You know, Scripture tells us that he was a sadiq. That means he was a man of integrity. That means he kept the letter of the law. I mean, and, and you know, we live in the age and the era of grace, praise the Lord. So I don't know that we even have an understanding. But here's the deal with Joseph. His reputation was soiled forever. Even though he was a part of God's master plan, I mean, for the rest of his life, people looked at him differently because they assumed he got married, pregnant, out of marriage. Yeah. And, you know, the idea, well, God's the father. I mean, that's Looney Tunes to many of the people of the day. But Joseph stayed faithful. He had the encouragement to the Lord. You know, don't be afraid. Lean on me. How does that look day to day? I, I think, um, you know, we, we've seen this kind of unfold in our world that I would call it the evils of social media. I think we've experienced that where someone goes on a rampage and they're upset with someone or they're upset with an organization and then people just start piling on and piling on and piling on. And a lesson that I've learned through that is a lot of times you've got to just be quiet. You've got to just love God. You've got to just trust that the truth will eventually come out. And I think one of the ways you do that is that you lean on the Lord and you say, God, I want to respond. I want to put a you know a response on Facebook. I want to throw something out, but I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to lean on you. We memorized a verse in Scripture at church. It was like fifth and sixth grade camp. But I love this verse. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I trust. I will not be afraid. And it was David that wrote those words at a time when he was on the run, when Saul wanted to kill him. When he um, found himself very much in danger, and he said, God, I'm giving it to you. I may die because of this, and that's okay, but I'm trusting in you. I'm not going to be afraid. And I would say to, uh, to people that are listening, whether it's a job situation, a family situation, uh, a health diagnosis that, um, that you're not excited about, give it to God. Delmer Sandage from our church mm-hmm. is a great example yep. of somebody yep. that I would say, even when terrible news has visited him in the health arena. He said, it's in God's hands. And, you know, I'm amazed of people like him that have such faith when the world might look and say, well, you know, there's no hope there. Cody, think about Exxon. Remember gathering on that that Thursday night in June? The downcast faces? I somber. I had someone tell me, I don't need to come to a prayer meeting. The power plant is closing. And Wednesday, you and I are going to be at the high school as Governor Rauner signs new legislation yep. that's going to keep the power plant open for 10 years. And, you know, we've had the Pray for Clinton picture um, on our face on my Facebook page for six months now. And, um, you know, I've prayed regularly that, that something incredible would happen to keep the plant open. And God could have very easily said, no, it's not part of my plan. But um, we look today on, what is it, December 5th, you know, mm-hmm. six months later. Um, 
Good stuff. And, you know, the, over the weekend, I saw a post on Facebook of one of our families in, in our church uh, who works out there. Yeah. And, you know, haven't been living in the area that long. Yeah. And they love Clinton. Clinton is their new home. Uh-huh. And just to hear the joy and the relief that they have, absolutely, knowing that their family isn't going to be split up, yeah. um, there's a peace that that has come over them. And they celebrated, I believe, it by going to Texas Roadhouse. That's cool. Now I've got to say this. To be fair, there are times that we do everything that we did with the power plant, or in our family's case, everything that we did when Jordan had these uh, disease diagnoses. And you don't have the happily ever after. The happily ever after with Jordan is the Darrier's disease is in remission and the arthritis isn't presenting itself. And so four years later, we look back and we say, man, our prayers were answered like we wanted our prayers answered. Cody, sometimes it doesn't play out quite like that. Sometimes mm-hmm. we pray for a, a cure and it doesn't happen. You mm-hmm. know, it, it's not an earthly cure. Sometimes plants close, you know, or um, what we want to happen doesn't unfold, but it's leaning on the Lord and trusting that God's got a plan, and even if I don't understand that plan, I will be good with that plan. I will find peace with that plan. And I don't want to sound super optimistic when I say this to where, like, it feels like I'm in la-la land, but when you think of Jesus, Mm -hmm. and before he went to that cross, and he cried out to the Father that, hey... Yeah. If you got another plan, yep. let's make that happen. Let's go with plan B. I am not excited. Yeah. And you but know, what did he say? Not my will, but yours. But your will be done. The Apostle Paul, the scripture that you referenced earlier, Paul said, "Take this thorn in my flesh away." Three times, and God said, "I'm not taking it away." But guess what? My grace is enough. My grace is sufficient for you. And I and I know that even though I've lived a short life up to this point. Um, the times that I was really mad at God or things didn't work out the way I wanted to wanted them to, you know, later down the road I find out actually it was a lot like God's plan was much better than my plan. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So. I mean, just the Taylor family coming to Clinton, I really feel like was God saying to me, You think you know what's best. Just trust me. I got a better plan. Just trust me. And I look back ten years later and I'm so thankful that God didn't give me what I thought I wanted. Sure. Absolutely. Well, um, we have a crazy, crazy Grab and go, crazy baby. week yeah. here at the church. Yeah. Um, as the senior pastor, uh-huh. um, you've got church members listening to this podcast. Yep. What are a few things that you want to put on their radar in the midst of their holiday business yep. as yep. well? Well, there's a lot happening. We have two events for men on Tuesday, reload at 6 a.m., area men's at 7 We have uh, the light before Christmas, first kids Wednesday night. Um, If table is canceled for this month, they normally would meet this Thursday, but they canceled due to the craziness of the week. The big thing, though, is grab and go. And there's two areas that we really need help. We need people that can be hosts on Saturday, um, five hours of your time, 7 a.m. to noon. And we need people that can help with setup this week. Different slots um, today through Thursday, 9 to 11 in the morning, 1 to 3 in the afternoon, 6 to 8 at night. Give me a call. Give Cody a call. Give the office a call. We'll get you plugged in. Something everyone can do for grab and go is to pray. Just pray that it's a great day. I pray for good weather. Maybe that's selfish. But more than anything, I just pray that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. Yeah. 
Well, there's always awesome stories that kind of are birthed out uh, of that absolutely. Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but one question that I get frequently is, what is a host? What yeah. does it mean to host? All it means is you walk around with people as they're doing their shopping. You meet them. You have conversation with them. You try to encourage them. You carry their box or you carry their bag for them. Hopefully, if you see them down the month uh, or a month down the road at Walmart or at you know the gas station, you'll say hi to them. You'll start to build a relationship. But we just really want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We just want to say, hey, we're here today to love you. How can we serve you? And that's the concept is Absolutely. let's just love people ridiculously while Amen. they're here and All the way. no strings attached. We're glad they're here. And for you listeners out there who maybe you've never really been involved with Grab and Go, um, a lo- we are going to have hundreds of people um, in our building this weekend. And many of them um, either are not familiar with our church, they uh, are a part of a body of believers elsewhere, or others aren't a part of church at all. Correct. And, you know, for us to go out of our way to host them and make them feel comfortable, it really does go a long way. It's so. a great day. I'm looking forward Next to Sunday, it. what's the quote we're looking at? Well, Adam's actually preaching next week, and he's looking at um, John 1.14 that says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. Oh, and boy. look at that bounce, and we might have to have a guest uh, blogger. Ooh. On Monday morning for the uh, podcast. Yeah. What do you think? That's a good thought. So we anyway. Could do that. But yeah, he's going to talk about that balance between grace and truth. One other thing, our choir, Cody, works so hard. They're doing their Christmas cantata, first service only, 8-15. I'm asking everyone. I'd love to pack the sanctuary. Pack the house. You're coming. Emily's I am coming. coming. Emily and I are My coming. My family's going to be there, 8-15. Encourage the choir this Sunday as they share their choir cantata. Sounds awesome. Well, uh, if you're listening, uh, tell all your friends that you can find this podcast on our church website, www.clintonfcc.com. And we will also have links on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and uh, we will see you next week.